The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. It's Christmas season. We're going to be talking about the, the incarnation or this idea of God becoming man. And this morning, my hope is that you would leave knowing two things. One is that God came as Jesus to offer lasting satisfaction in his family. So my first aim, my first hope for us today is that, that you would leave here being reminded or being, you know, learned for the first time that God came as Jesus to offer lasting satisfaction in his family. And the second thing is that I hope you know a little bit about Neighborhood Church. Like you guys have already, you guys made it through the front doors, past the signs and, and past the crowds in the parking lot. You guys fought through and you made it, right? Neighborhood Church. Um, I just want to begin just by saying that my name is uh, Dave Parton. And uh, my wife, Rivers, was up here earlier doing some of our um, liturgy. And then uh, later on, you're going to hear uh, from Eric, uh, the intern that's working with us. But um, just to give you a, a, just a little bit of, like, why, if this is the first, first service, why is there people, like, doing things? Um, in March, uh, Rivers and I, with Joel, our drummer, uh, we began a, a Bible study. Eric came from Pennsylvania to help us kind of start a new uh, community of, of, of followers of Christ in this neighborhood. And uh, some of those families, just as we get to, get to meet them through pickup here at Pawnee or friends from the city, um, and they've kind of stuck with us. And, and now it's December, and we wanted to celebrate Christmas together, and the, the group was getting larger than our home could handle. So we were going to break up into two groups, but at that same time, we began to think we still want to see each other. And then somebody had the idea of, you know, some churches meet on Sunday morning. We were like, we should do that too. I'm, I'm being a little silly, but um, with some of these different steps as a, as a new body grows or a new body starts, our hope is that God will be glorified more and more as more churches get started all around our city and neighborhoods and, and communities continue to support the churches that have been established years ago and that more and more people will see that there is lasting satisfaction in Jesus. So let's just begin reading today. We're going to read John 1. 1 through 14. So the first 14 verses in the book of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was not in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he be and who believed his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let us pray this morning as we dive into this. Jesus, we ask you, the very one we're going to study 
who's alive, working for us. That your spirit would move, your spirit would help our minds and hearts understand God. That we would understand this amazing, amazing creator that has created us for a relationship. And I pray you will be glorified and honored as we study about you and your family and the enjoyment of it. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So at Neighborhood Church, you're going to see on your bulletins, um, you're going to see on some signage, uh, be, bless, and belong. These are three words uh, that are kind of core values for us. They help us kind of focus in on what we learn and what we teach and how we teach it. And this morning, um, uh, we're going to be talking about being, or the be of be, bless, and belong. And this word has a lot of identity in it, the word to be, who you are. And we believe that it, that it is the foundation of how you can bless others and have inclusive belonging with others in your life. And as we look at the birth of Jesus, these next three weeks, we're going to be looking at be, this week bless, and then, and then belong. So I hope that's a, something you can look forward to this month as we celebrate Christmas together. Um, so John 1, 1 through 3, if we can put that up on the screen. Um, you know, John begins his gospel. Like, John, this is like, this is like 50 years probably after, after, after the death of Jesus. So, like, it's, it's like 40, 50 years after the death of Jesus. And John is writing this gospel to remind people about what faith and, like, what is belief and, like, what was the, the work of Jesus really about. So he starts his gospel off, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him not anything was made. And if you could think through how the Old Testament, the, the first covenant writings of God to his people, Genesis 1, it's not on the screen, but you might recognize this. Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John 1, in the beginning was the word. Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, John wants his readers to know who he's going to be talking about for, in our language, the next 20-plus chapters, right? He wants to say, this is Jesus. This is not just a man, but this was God. This wonderful man, Jesus, who was born from a miracle, this wonderful baby that we find in Bethlehem, was God himself. The creator of all was now human, fully man and fully God. So, as I shared before, my hope is that you will know God as Jesus. And if that's something in your mind as you've just, you know, if, if you're brand new to Christianity, you're brand new to the church, or you've been, you've been in the church for a while, like, this is a foundational truth as we look at the life and work, the death and resurrection of who Jesus is. And my hope for you is that you would understand and you would begin to like dive into what does it mean for God himself to coming as man? And what, and, and, and what, what is that like for an infinite, infinite creator to come and join his created? John 1, 4 through 5, the next section, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, 
and the darkness has not overcome it. Listen to Genesis 1. This is Genesis 1, 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. Do you see how John is writing a parallel to this, this very famous ancient text of Genesis? He's saying, this is God. He, he doesn't just provide light. He is light. He doesn't just provide life. He is life. So I was just thinking a little bit, what, what is it like to, to go into an environment where you feel kind of like you know what's going on or you feel pretty like trained and you go into a, an area where people think they're trained but they're really not? Does that ever happen to you guys maybe at work or with different scenarios? You, you, know, like you, you have a certain gift set. Maybe people don't know you very well. But you know, you say you did something for you know, 20 years of a hobby of some sort, and then, and then you walk into a room, and there's all these people, the young people maybe. I'm going to blame just young people because I guess I'm still young a little bit. But like this is a cockiness of like we got all this figured out. And you walk in, and you're just kind of like, you just kind of feel uncomfortable because it's just all wrong. You know, you're just not, they're not doing it right. So I, I began to think through um, right here in the gym and in the cafeteria on Thursday, some of you guys were here. Pawnee had a family fun night, okay? So Rivers did a great job kind of, kind of guiding this in a sense of like we had these little four-by-four-inch tiles with like a, a black arch on it and told each family to paint. So if you weren't here, you can kind of picture this. So each family has one little four-by-four pictures. A family is painting a four-by-four tile with an arc on it that the last rule was don't paint on the black line. So, so I'm a parent, right? I've painted, I've probably painted on a tile at some point too. And I'm with my family, like my, we're all sitting there. We have lots of paintbrushes, lots of paints, and a four by four tile, right? Did this go well? Because there was water and paper towels on the table that paint wipes off this. So one kid would draw something, the other kid would be like, Rrr. the other kid would draw something, Rrr. I'm like, guys, come on. All right, you get, a, you get an inch by inch, and you get an inch by, like, we're trying to figure this out together. And you know what? I just realized, I realized that, you know, I was the parent that after all the kids painted and came into the gym and running, running amok in here, I'm going back and touching up stuff. Anybody else in the room was doing that? <laughs> like, okay, get rid of that black line a little bit, fix that little, make my little house. And I tell you this, there's a certain sense of like, you sh I should see my tile. I'm horrible at it. But I didn't, wanna, I didn't want a purple heart that looked like an oval. I was like, it's not a heart, kids. Like, I said, Joy, she's 10. You should be doodling more in class. Draw a heart. Like, it's, it's not a circle. She's like, I know, I'm trying, you know. So I share all that because I, I began to think through, like, like I'm... I'm not a good artist, but I, I'm a little bit aware of paint and brushes and tiles. And I'm with these kids, and I'm going a little nuts. Can you imagine God knowing what humans should act like? And he shows up, and he's not, he's not going nuts. He's, I mean, he, who is Jesus? Jesus shows up as patient, kind, hopeful, generous. And I tell you, there is an essence of who Jesus is that we have to understand that only God could do this. Only God could come down here, who he is, and still have a heart of love. And instead of seeing constant frustration from Jesus, though there were times we, we did see that, 
He displays attributes that we see as the fruit of the Spirit, as Paul writes. There is a hope for us because Jesus is life, because Jesus is light, because Jesus proved that not only is he God, but that he can be satisfied in something other than people. When I'm at that cafeteria table, I was not satisfied. I had a wet paper towel over and over again and pulling away paintbrushes. There was, this, like, there was this dissatisfaction. It ended up okay. I had a good time. But there was this beautiful picture. There was this beautiful picture of God himself coming to earth, being able to act a certain way. You know why? Because he wasn't basing his joy and his satisfaction and how people treated him. There was like wisdom and, and self-control and knowing who he was. So earlier I shared one of my aims was that you would know Jesus is God and that he provides lasting satisfaction. Next up in the verse uh, in John 1, 6 through 8, um, John takes a break here and gives us another character. He brings up John the Baptist, which... Um, not to be confusing, John the Baptist did not write the book of John. There was a man sent from God who was, whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Inside this passage, we, he brings up, uh, John brings up that people would believe, this idea of belief. And as we talk about this idea of lasting satisfaction, there's a need for belief inside this. And my hope is that you would realize that there is this guide that Jesus provides in his own life that allows us to say, not just look at the laws of God, not just to look at this distance between him and us, but it gives us, God gave us himself as a guide of satisfaction. And when we see the idea of belief coming into, um, coming into place here in the, in the Gospel of John, we begin to see the road or the avenue or the way to, uh, for us to also receive this. Verses 9 through 13. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So being satisfied in Christ requires belief. It requires faith. It requires understanding that Jesus Christ was a satisfied human, but he was also the satisfied God. And to receive Jesus, to believe in Jesus, means you get to somehow, in some amazing way, receive that satisfaction. And John tells us how we do that. We become kids of the king through receiving the life of Jesus. And that, that could be super foreign to some in the room today. 
that God himself would say, hey, you know what? I know you live a dissatisfied life. I actually, I created you to want something. And I created that, a world that's beautiful and amazing for you to enjoy. But it's never going to be enough. But I will send my son. I will come. I will come and I'll show you the way to live life under control, with patience, under the umbrella of love. And if you receive him as your Savior and your Lord, then you can be adopted and you can be a child. That you can be a child of the King. So this is an adoption story this morning. The child, the baby, comes to let us know that we can be children of God. In this Christmas, when you, when you, we were, I was driving through the neighborhood yesterday, and I just, there's some manger scenes. I've never, I don't know where you buy these things, but it's like glowing, like a glowing Mary and Joseph and baby. That, there could, that could be your yards, you know? Like, that's cool. But when you see that there's this child, be reminded that God is saying, I'm here to adopt you. Do you want to be a part of my kingdom? Then receive my son. Receive this baby. Receive the work of Jesus. This Christmas season is the good news. Because Jesus came with joy. He came with the gift of satisfaction. The psalmist writes, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Like your desires will be satisfied. Jesus says the world or the thief, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you would have life. And have life to the full. This is the Jesus that we celebrate and we sing to. The one who provides satisfaction. So this morning, as I speak about joy and satisfaction, where you're sitting today and how you came in this morning and you're thinking about the Christmas season, that is not your mode right now. It's more darkness and chaos. Genesis 1, light has come into the world. God divided the darkness and the light. Jesus Christ is the light. And my hope for you is if you haven't accepted and received Jesus as your Savior and Lord, that you'll begin conversations with people. You'll begin talking to God, saying, God, what does this mean for you to be the boss of my life? That this morning you would pray and say, God, I want you to be my Savior and Lord. This is what Jesus did. He came as a baby. He lived a perfect life. Around 30, he started doing miracles and sharing stories and parables and beginning talking about the kingdom, the kingdom that's here, but it's also later. And John's writing here saying, to as many people as receive Jesus, you get to be a child of the king. You get to be adopted. You get to be in the family of God. 
So my aim today was that you would know or you would be reminded that God came as Jesus and he offers lasting satisfaction and his family. At Neighborhood Church, if you want to sum it up in two words, like what, what's unique or what are we focusing on, our heart is that this would be a place that would be inclusive community or inclusive family. That just as easy as you could join into it, you would have the same heart to let other people know that they're also invited into it. And it's not just to have a big party, but we do party a lot. We want to be a blessing and we want to grow. And if you guys noticed that the N and the C, when Jess put those together, it made a leaf. It was like magic. You do not have to have it all put together here. That we want to be, neighborhood church wants to be a place at our neighborhood groups, when we're hanging out around a fireside, when we're coming to a simple Sunday morning service. Like you come as you are, you wear what you want. But we want to be a place of growth, that you don't stay as you are. And this gymnasium or the lobby or the McDonald's up on 87th, these are places where you can come as a seed that's yet to break open, that just needs some water, just needs some water. And we're going to keep watering that seed. Or maybe you're a strong trunk with lots of branches and fruits popping off you left and right. That this could be a place where you don't give up. And you don't slowly die and let the other trees take over. And you just keep planting. You double. You get that branch off the side that's as big as the, any other tree in the neighborhood. Because we want everyone to come as they are with their experiences and their journey. But we also want to be a place that together we help one another. Our tagline, you see there in, in pink, we want to grow in loving God and our neighbors together. And that's what we're going to try to do tomorrow and then the next day. And we need, we need people who want to do that. So this morning, if you're just seeing if Neighborhood Church wants to be a place or should be a place where you can grow. I don't know. We'd love to talk to you about that. We're inclusive. Come. But maybe there's connections or relationships at other churches. But our hope would be we'd pray for you. If you live in this neighborhood, or you live around here, that you would find a healthy community. Because wherever you live, I hope you grow in your love for God and your neighbors together. This ending part, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. This word dwelt among us uh, in the original language is, is pitching a tent, like setting up camp. So, and, the, and Jesus became flesh or Jesus became a human and rented the house next door. In our neighborhood. 
Isn't that awesome? God bought that flipped house in your cul-de-sac. And he's like, I'm here. What Jesus did for us of living a perfect life to show us how to live is a guide. Learning that his satisfaction was in his Father, was in his God, is a guide. When we accept Jesus and know that people will have opinions about us, people, this neighborhood will have opinions about neighborhood church, about me and about you and about anything that you do in your life. People have opinions about that. But is your identity, who you are, going to be based on people? Or are you going to base it on what Jesus says about you? And Jesus says you're loved. You're cared for. And this is how Jesus showed it. After Jesus taught and, and shared these stories and kind of realigned the faith of the day for a lot of the Jewish people, it was, his time was come. That's kind of how he says it. My time has come. And in a second, we're about to celebrate communion together. And what this is, it's a, it's a reminder of how Jesus' life ended. That Jesus Christ was taken, was beaten, was bruised, like the prophet Isaiah talked about 500 years before. And Jesus was put on a cross. And on that cross, he took on the sin of the world. Okay, Jesus on the cross, he took on your sin and my sin. And he said, Father, you know, Father, you're forsaking me so you can accept them. And what happens when you receive Jesus? You take on this perfection that Jesus lived. You take on his life that covers you. And you may ask, what about the sin? What about the darkness inside us? The things that, the chaos that's been punished. And God was big enough to take on your sin on that cross. Yes, there was agony. Yes, there was pain. Jesus went through hell, so we don't have to. And he's wanting people to know this story, the good news of this acceptance that you can receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. My hope is that you'll believe that God came as Jesus to offer you lasting satisfaction in his family. So as I close, just a few questions. Have you received Jesus? If not, my hope is you would receive him, that you would accept him as your, the one who saved you on that cross. Now, Jesus didn't stay on the cross. At Easter, in just a few months, we're going to celebrate the resurrection. It didn't take that long for him to rise from the dead. It was just a couple days, right, a few days. But, but Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and he said, I am the way. In Mark 1.14, Jesus says, here's the gospel. Repent and believe in this good news. During communion, I'll be in the back. I'll be over here. 
you can come talk to me or um, my phone number and stuff's in the bulletin. If, if somebody invited you, um, start those conversations. But my hope is that you would learn more about receiving Christ and that you would accept him as your Lord and Savior. Secondly, you may have forgotten your identity in this Christmas season or in your marriage or with a family member or a friend. You've forgotten that God's the one who defines who you are and not people. He's your creator. And my hope is that you would, the same, repent and believe that Jesus is enough. You are his child. He died. He rescued you. Don't forget that. Jesus clothes you with his perfection. And this is the hope. This is the peace as we celebrate it in these candles. And thirdly, my question is, if you're looking for a place and some people that do a little simple service in a school and hang out at people's houses and sit around fire pits and talk about who knows what, but really cares if people grow in their love for God and their neighbors, I'd invite you. Come to Neighborhood Church. That's what we want to do. Our heart is that our kitchen tables would be the main environment where we help each other. That we would do things like this service. We'd have neighborhood groups where we have potlucks. We'd talk about the Bible a lot and Jesus. But we would just do this. Live alongside one another for God's glory.